Well, good morning, West. It is good to be with you, and let me add my welcome to those of you who are worshiping here and those who are welcoming online. I am excited to be here as we continue to look at those monsters in the dark, the seven deadly sins. Already, you all have looked at the sins of lust and pride and gluttony and sloth, and so today we're going to look at that green-eyed monster, the sin of envy. As we do so, I need to share with you about a a license plate that I saw in a car that I followed out of town on Monday when Andrea and I were headed to South Georgia. She wrote about that in her email on Friday. We were going down to a a consultation, and so the, um, the license plate said this, you envy me. And I had to chuckle a little bit thinking about today's topic and thinking about what we were going to be discussing, but I laughed even more because it was on the back of this car. Can we have the next slide? A Ford Escape. (laughs) And I had to wonder, hmm, I don't think so. What about you? Now, if it had been on the back of this car, I might have felt differently. Agreed? Being green with envy. So as we begin to think a little bit more about this topic this morning, I want you all to begin to think about the people, the things that you envy. And to do so, we're going to use an applause meter, and I'm going to show you some pictures. And what I want you to do is to clap if you've ever envied this person or this thing or, or maybe what they represent. Let's go with the first one. All right, now let's hear your applause. Have you ever envied Donald? You know, for somebody who says he's the most envied guy in the world, he certainly doesn't get it, does he? Okay, what about this next one? Ever envied this? And what if I told you that this was a house on Lake Norman? Would there even be more? We're getting there. We're getting there. Okay, what about the next What about Taylor? Her fame? Her voice? All right. Next one. Would you like this? What if your best friend got this? Would you envy it even more? All right. Now, how about this guy? All right. What about his salary? Do you envy his salary? And his skill? All right. Next. Yep. <laughs> All right, and if your neighbor bought one, would it be more? How are we doing? Oh, not much. Okay, now this one's more fun. What about this? It's more in my range of things that I can envy. Next one? Maybe, maybe not. All right, I'll just tell you what it's going to be. How about a Yeti cooler? Would you envy a Yeti cooler? All right, and and more in my range of things that I can afford, how about a Yeti tumbler? (laughs) All right, it's getting up there. Okay, and and you all prove the point as we think about this applause meter. You know, if it's something that's way out there, if it's something that we know is not attainable, we don't tend to envy it, do we? We don't envy the Donald Trumps and the Taylor Swifts and and the Cam Newtons and the the million-dollar diamonds or the Biltmore estate, but when it's something closer, 
Maybe it's when something that our neighbor or our brother or sister has, a lake house, a new cool pontoon boat, a Yeti tumbler. It's then when that green-eyed monster comes to play, doesn't it? As we begin to think about this sin of envy, let's watch for a moment from this clip from Disney's The Snow White. Slave in the magic mirror, come from the farthest space. Through wind and darkness, I summon thee. Speak. Let me see thy face. What wouldst thou know, my queen? Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Famed is thy beauty, majesty. But hold, a lovely maid I see. Rags cannot hide her gentle grace. Alas, she is more fair than thee. Alas for her. Reveal her name. Lips red as the rose. Hair black as ebony. Skin white as snow. Snow white. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Or in the original clip, it was magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Envy, being green with envy, that green-eyed monster. When the evil witch asks the magic mirror, who's the fairest of them all? And finds out that it's not her. What does she want to do? She, want to put, she wants to put Snow White to death, doesn't she? It's not enough for her to have just achieve the, the ideal of attractiveness, but she wanted to be the most attractive of them all. Ah, oh, what happens when that green-eyed monster takes over? You know, what's interesting to me is when Evagrius the monk in the fourth century who was the one that came up with this first list of eight and then it was shortened to seven, eight sins that were getting in the way of his deepening his relationship with God. He used the word sadness instead of envy. And it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, if we think about envy? Because envy is about wishing things were other than they are in your life. And so in order to do so, and and if we do so, we feel sad. We're sad about what could be, what we want to be, what we wish would be. Envy's all about wanting something that somebody else has. The, The envious person resents the other person, not only because they've got the good gifts that that we want to have, but because it it makes them look superior. And in them looking superior, we look inferior. It points out our feelings of inadequacy and unworth. You know, I think that's what I felt last night at the end of the Duke-Miami game. I don't know if you saw that final play. I was rejoicing. Duke was up with five seconds to go, and I thought, okay, we've got this one in the bag, even though that last touchdown to me was a little questionable. But you know, and then that last five seconds, Miami showed great skill 
And I wanted the Duke players to have that skill, and I wanted the Miami players to mess up. That's envy. If I'm envious of Andrea for getting to lead West and of launching a great church and building a, a fabulous team in order to help you all be missional and make a difference in your community and in the world. It's not only that I know that she's a great leader and I appreciate her gifts and the gifts of those that she's amassed around her, but it's also that it points out my feelings of inferiority that that I can't, like she does, preach without notes. And I am nowhere near as creative as she is, try as I might, and I'm certainly not hip. You get the picture. And envy's kind of related closely to some ugly cousins. And we tend to interchange those words, but but they're all a bit different. Like greed. When we think about greed, we think about wanting more and more and more of something. And yet greed is is about, I want what you have and I want more of it, but, but you can still have it. So... You have a Yeti cooler? I'll get a Yeti cooler and a couple of tumblers. Envy means more about me not wanting you to have it. In fact, I'll just take yours, and it'll make me feel better about myself. Or jealousy, which we often interchange those two words, and yet, and that they're they're pretty different. Because while envy's about me wanting what you have, jealousy's about me being afraid that you're going to take what I have. I'm jealous that you might steal my boyfriend. I'm jealous that the boss might think you're better than I am, that, that they, you might become the, the prized employee and, and not me. Envy's also very close to, to coveting. I don't know if you've heard that word before. We don't tend to use it a lot, but, but it did make the top 10. It's a part of the Ten Commandments, those ten rules that God gave to Moses and to all of us for how we're to live as God's children. And as a part of that, the, the very last one says this, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything else that is your neighbor's. Both envying and coveting are about wanting what somebody else has. I, I might covet my neighbor's lake house or, or their new pontoon, but, but envy takes it a, a step further. It means that I want those things and I want you not to have those things because it makes me feel better about me. It makes me rise above you in what we have. But, you know, I think it's that one sin on the list of seven that never makes us really happy, does it? I mean, gluttony can give you a momentary pleasure. So I guess can lust. But envy, envy just leaves you feeling kind of sick. I think that's how it got associated with the color green, that, that sickly kind of green, that, that green that, that thinks about how, how bad things are. Envy's its own punishment. You see, in envying somebody else, my, my soul is diminished, continually diminished, each and every time I make that insidious comparison. So how do we tame it? It's cold-blooded and cruel, and, and even cold-blooded and cruel among family and friends. 
and envy is not new. In fact, if we look at the very first book in the Bible, just after Adam and Eve have their two sons, envy enters into the picture. Hear these words from the book of Genesis. Now the man Adam knew his wife Eve intimately, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain, that was the first son, and said, I've given life to a man with the Lord's help. And she gave birth a second time to Cain's brother, Abel. Abel cared for the flocks. He was a shepherd. And Cain farmed the fertile land. Now sometime later, Cain presented an offering to the Lord from the land's crops. And while Abel presented his flocks, oldest offspring with their fat, and the Lord looked favorably on Abel and his sacrifice, but did not look favorably on Cain and his sacrifice. And Cain became very angry and looked resentful. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why do you look so resentful? Why do you envy your brother? If you do the right thing, won't you be accepted? But if you don't do the right thing, sin will be waiting at the door, ready to strike. It'll entice you but you must rule over it. Cain said to his brother Abel, well, let's go out into the field. And when they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? It's not new, is it? Cain is envious of the love that God gives to his brother Abel. And he goes to the extreme. He's so envious that he gets rid of him. And sadly, we've played that out over and over and over again, haven't we? A family is torn apart over the inheritance that a sister gets. And the brother is envious of it. And they never speak to each other again. Or a 14-year-old is killed by one of his peers because of the sneakers he's wearing. His peer is envious of a pair of shoes and kills him. And though I don't believe it's quite as simple as those who say of the Arab terrorists that they're envious of our freedom. But I do believe that envy of something has everything to do with their hatred. Envy between nations, I think, has been the cause of of many wars. And they have what we want, we have what they want, and somehow we fool ourselves into thinking that if we get rid of them, then it makes us superior. And what's crazy about all this is, while we think our feelings and our actions help our cause... Truthfully, it doesn't. It just makes us feel worse. So how do we move aside? How do we let go of envy in our lives? That it might not rule us. That it might not make us sick. Well, friends, I think the answer is twofold. And the first is pretty simple. But it flies in the face of everything that the world tries to teach us. 
And that is that we believe and that we lay claim to the fact that God loves each and every one of us unconditionally. The last time I was able to be with you, I talked about that and I shared with you one of those verses that I cling to in my life. It's a verse that comes as Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. And as Jesus comes up out of the water after his baptism, you can hear words from heaven, the scriptures say, words from God who says, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. Friends, God feels the same way about you and me. No matter what we have or what we don't have, no matter what we do or don't do, no matter who we are or who we think we're not, God wants us to know deep in the core of our very being that we are loved that we are beloved sons and daughters of God and there is nothing, absolutely nothing that can take that away. You know, somehow I think if we could just get that, we wouldn't have to posture ourselves as being superior over one another. We wouldn't have to tear others down so that we could achieve our own self-worth. But it's tough, isn't it? Our culture, society, the world, everything out there, TV, newspapers, everything online wants us to think differently. That somehow we have to do something or to be something to kind of measure up, to earn God's love, to be acceptable. And when I get caught in that trap, God keeps reminding me that I've got it all backwards. That it starts with the love of God. God loves me, God loves you, God believes in me, God believes in you, and God has gifted us to make a difference in the world, together, not individually, not posturing myself over and above other people, but to make a difference in this world together, which is the second part, I think, of how we tame envy in our lives. Did you notice the question that God asked Cain after Cain killed his brother. Am I my brother's keeper? Or we could put it, am I my sister's keeper? And what's the implied answer? You betcha. Yes. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. Yes, you are your sister's keeper. Because God didn't create us to live this life in isolation but in community with one another. And when I'm certain of God's love for me, when I'm confident in the gifts that God has given me to share with others, then I can appreciate. I can appreciate, not envy, meaning not want for myself what you have, but I can appreciate and embrace the gifts that you've been given. And we both end up feeling better, don't we? not worse. Plus, we have the opportunity to collectively use those gifts because mine are different than each of yours and yours are different than each of mine. We have the opportunity to bring those gifts together and to use them to make a difference in the lives of others. Paul, one of the most important figures in the New Testament, 
who started churches all over the area of what we now know is Israel and Turkey and Greece and Italy, wrote this when he started the church in Corinth. Love does not envy. Christian love does not envy. Because Christian love starts with the transformative love of God in ourselves and then moves outward to the love of others. You know, I think it's really hard to envy another when you're washing the feet of a child at the back-to-school bash. It's hard to envy another when you're thinking about the look on the faces of the family as they open their door and see that sack of gifts from Ding Dong Ditch. It's hard to envy another when you're reading a letter from a child that you've sponsored through Acres of Hope in Uganda. That's who we were created to be. Not those who passive-aggressively delight in the downfall of another because it makes us look good, but it's those who work together, together for the good so that the whole world will know their belovedness in Jesus Christ. In Friday's email, Andrea wrote about a prayer experience that we had while we were down at Epworth by the Sea. As a part of this prayer experience, we were asked on a three-by-five card to write down some of our prayer concerns, some of those things that we carry with us each and every day of our lives. And we were to lay that card down in front of us. And then half of us were to get up and to go and stand behind another person to lay our hands on their shoulder, to look over and read what was on that card, to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, and then to pray for that person, whether we knew them or not. If you read her email, you know that this was an incredibly powerful experience. It was a wonderful part of the worship services, both to be the prayer, the one who was putting your hands on someone, but to also be the recipient of those prayers. You know, I have no idea who prayed over me on Wednesday evening, but I do know that I felt the power of their love in a deep, a deep and meaningful way. And I was then able to share that love as I went around and prayed over my sister colleagues, asking God to meet their needs and to lift their burdens. And, you know, among a group that can be pretty envious of one another, you know, we clergy types have kind of mastered that. We left that evening with a sense of care, a sense of care and concern and and appreciation for one another. And with a greater understanding of the unconditional love of God, that amazing grace that we know through Jesus Christ, the love that God has for each one of us. And friends, while I can't recreate that experience today, although I certainly would like to, I hope you'll leave knowing. You'll leave knowing that God loves you and that in that love, that God calls us to be our brothers and our sisters' keepers in order that we might let that sin of envy go and embrace the joy the fulfillment, the love that comes from serving others together, together as a community of faith. 
May we do just that as we go forth into this week, pushing aside that sin of envy and appreciating one another's gifts and working together as the body of Christ. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, sin is, the sin of envy is such a seductive sin. Because we do want to feel good about ourselves. And oftentimes we, we look at what others have and we get bitter. Bitter because they seem to have it better. God, this morning we ask that you would let us first admit that in our lives. That probably each and every one of us struggles with that in some way. I know I do, God. And then help us to lay it aside. Help us to fully embrace the unconditional love that you have for us. Help me to be thankful for the gifts that you've given me and those that you've given around me. And then let me, oh God, work with them that we might truly make a difference in this world. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So friends, let me encourage you to hold on to that amazing grace. Hold on to the fact that Jesus loves you and laid down his life for you. Because if you'll do that, there won't be any room for envy in your life. And then sure of that love, let's go forth. Let's go forth to fill a treat bag for the folks here at Lake Norman High. Let's go forth to share that love with others that we might together make a difference in the world. Go forth in Christ's peace. Amen.